Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life for Abena podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. We pray that this message is a blessing. Well, good morning, church. It is such a joy for me to be here. And, and I've never prayed so much for a church before. I've actually been in, in your presence and in your community. Uh, because everywhere I go around Australia, ex- visiting different churches, I just hear how God is doing great things in this space, in this church at New Life. And so I drove here this morning excited because I get to be just a small part in what God's already doing in this space. So thank you for having me. And I, I thought I would start with this question. I wonder if we have any fans out there of the so-called classic Sound of Music movie. Yeah, okay, okay, this is gonna go. All right. So a few years ago, my wife, Beck, who's joining online with Bo, I love you guys. I'm not saying anything bad. I won't eat your veggies either. Um, A few years ago, my wife, Beck, and I were traveling through Europe. And uh, we made this agreement that we could each choose one thing that the other person would have to happily join and participate in. So I chose my, uh, made my selection when we were in Normandy. I was like, great, there's this Band of Brothers tour, World War II, this is gonna be awesome. And Beck joined along, I assume happily, because it was great. Um, And then we went to Austria, uh, Salzburg, And it turns out the so-called classic Sound of Music was actually filmed in Salzburg. And so my my eyes were scared, but my wife's eyes lit up this one day as we're going through this town. She goes, you wanna believe it? There's a three hour bicycle tour of the Sound of Music. That's my choice. And she assured me, that I would get some sort of mountain bike and I could, there'd be other guys that could hang out in the back and you know, it'd be fine, no, no problem. And we arrived for this singing circus tour. <laughs> 20 happy ladies and me. <laughs> and I did not get a mountain bike. I'm pretty sure I got the original Maria bike. And I looked like a gorilla on this thing as I rode it down the street in a U shape. And it it had a basket for my purse. (laughs) And it had a bell. I don't know what for, but every time it would ring, it was like a warning signal to me that another song was soon to be sung all together again. (laughs) And I learned a lot about women who love the sound of music in this three-hour circus tour. And the first was this. Act like you're having a great time. Because they notice you're not, they're gonna help you have a great time with further participation. (laughs) Secondly is this. Women must train for this event because they know every line of every song, no matter how many times it's already be sung. And thirdly, if you even whisper a few lines of any part of any song, I promise you, it is like throwing petrol on a fire and they will spontaneously burst into song regardless of the number of times it was sung that morning. And so I love it as a guest speaker, I can do little experiments and uh, because I just get to go home at night and leave it with the pastors to clean up later. And, and, And so I thought I'd just do this little experiment if you would help me along this morning, that'd be great. And sing with me. If you did, if I said do, you would say, 
because it's better in the morning. Ray? Okay, this is good. Warm it up. B? Far? Oh, I've hit your stride now. So, it's coming on. Having flashbacks. T? Uh huh. Oh, well done, guys. I'm going to need further counseling now. And man, there's a tour waiting for you in Salzburg. Today, I want to talk about the power of an invitation. I wonder what you might say if someone in your life asked you, why is the gospel good news? Why does Jesus matter today? What would you say? I was recently asked this by a, a talented musician who has nothing to do with the church, didn't grow up in the church, nothing like that. So can you explain it to me? I said, well, in short, as a musician, maybe I'd put it like this. It's like a love song that God began singing long ago. It's something that is changing the world. It brings hope, it carries purpose, it gives us understanding of who we are, why we're here. And it's something that we can join along with any time. Jesus is leading the way. Some know the words, others are just learning, and some will soon hear it for the first time. But of course, this is more than a song. This is an historic reality of Jesus breaking into history to prepare a way for a destiny. A hope that we can begin living by even starting today. And we're all invited to come and see. And this good news of his kingdom is what Jesus commissioned his followers to share. He said in Matthew 28, 18, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Make disciples. It's written in this imperative mood. It has a sense in which it's as you go about the everyday places of life. Be a part of that song. Live by this good news reality. As you go to the workplace, chat with the neighbors, whether you're cooking in the kitchen or seeing it on the streets, be a part of this good news. Live by this reality. Knowing that he's surely with us as we go. And we have this great commission to share, to tell others about. And yet I think for many of us at times, including myself, it's easier to let it become like background noise. And I found that most people I talk to are honestly a bit nervous about sharing anything to do with Jesus. 
perhaps think, let's just leave it to those extroverts in church. You know, they're highly caffeinated. They seem very motivated. Let's support them. I'll just do my thing here. Because maybe we're worried we don't have the right voice or don't know the words, might stumble along the way. But what if sharing Jesus was simply an invitation to come and see? Come explore with us. Not waiting till our lives are neatly put together and that we've sorted things out, but living by a reality in which other people recognize that we've found a hope worth living for. And we invite them to come hear more. Imagine what the church would look like if we began to take the last command of Jesus and make it a first priority. Do you know the power of an invitation? I get to hear so many stories of invitation, particularly with Alpha, and uh, I hear them all the time. And one which, uh, that really touched my heart recently is um, the story of an airline pilot named Adam. Adam was a, a pilot, but then during COVID, when all the planes stopped flying, he lost his job. And then he had financial distress because he couldn't pay the mortgage, lost his house, and his marriage was already a bit rocky. And that fell apart too. And suddenly Adam found himself living on the streets of Brisbane, homeless, no family. And someone came up to him and started to talk to him about Jesus and said, would you like to go to Alpha with me? And Adam's hungry, not only for food, but for the hope. And he goes, I heard a report through a friend from Adam, about Adam, he said, I've never had so much loss in my life and yet so much peace because I've found Jesus. And Adam's slowly getting his life back together and taking steps with a peace that he never would have experienced otherwise unless somebody would have invited him along. One other quick story. Um, I met a Cherie about nine months ago uh, at a church Shree's a, now a church leader, but she actually um, had done a lot of time in prison. And, uh, and so she cornered me at this place and she'd done time in prison I, and she wanted to talk to me, so I said yes. And, uh, and she said, said, you know, I was invited about nine years ago to come and hear more about Jesus through Alpha. And I didn't want to go, but there was free cookies and I had nothing better to do while I was in prison. And so I went. Week one, just kind of put my shoulders like this. Week two, week three, week four, she suddenly comes to faith. And she went from leading a whole bunch of people in the prison into, into terrible bad things. Now she's a leader in a different setting. Now she's a leader in the church. She's going back into the detention centers where women are incarcerated using Alpha, sharing about Christ, and then helping people as they come out of prison to get their life back together. All because of an invitation. Come and see. Coming to faith is a process. 
And many of us realize that. There are steps along the way. And yet we've each been commissioned to play our part in the greatest decision that somebody can make in their life. We each have a part in singing that song, living by that reality and encouraging others along that way. Do you know the power of an invitation? It's very simple. Come and see. So many people in our lives that you might be surprised that are so hungry for more or would eagerly explore. As I said earlier, one in four would come if somebody would ask them. One in two if they're below the age of 25. And yet the majority of Australians don't know somebody they could even begin to ask. Someone that goes to church. Where would they even begin? And it's why Nikki Gumbel rightly says we are living in the greatest season of evangelism in our generation. Each of us comes to faith through a trusted relationship. Somebody took time to care about us, to share it. I love what Romans 10, 14 says, it puts it like this. How can people though call for help if they don't know who to trust? How can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone has been sent to do that? I thank God that he has sent someone. It's you and I in our own voices, in our own ways as a body united together. I don't think we need great preachers, more great preachers or anything like that. We need the body working together in our own ways. Because you know what people will trust? They'll trust you. They're not gonna trust potentially someone that's at the front saying something, but they'll see your life. And it's not that you have your life neatly put together, but you're living by a different reality that carries hope. And you invite them to be a part of that great hope. Each of us comes to Christ through a relationship. I wonder how many people here came to faith because they grew up in the church. You grew up in the church. A lot of us, a lot of us, I see a lot of hands. It's probably because someone who took, someone took time, a parent, a grandparent, a neighbor, a friend, they invited us to come along. And some of us came to faith as, as an adult, but it's likely that there are people along the way that encouraged you to take your next step, whatever that was, towards Christ. And perhaps you're sitting here and you're still not sure. Maybe you watched the baptisms that were happening last Sunday and somebody invited you along and you're just checking things out still. But you're here because somebody cares about you. Somebody loved you enough to say, why don't you come and see? William Temple once said that the act of bringing someone to Jesus is the greatest service that one person can render another. And it happens in the context of everyday life. Now, I find it really encouraging as I've, I think there's three things that will help us along the way that encourage us as we make that invitation in our own relationships. The first is this, God is already on the go. God is already at work in the people's lives around us. We're not starting at zero. God's already working in their lives and we're entering that space. And so secondly, it's the spirit that's the lead evangelist. The pressure is not on us 
or a pastor or a book or whatever we're using, a track or alpha or anything like that. It's only the spirit that can reveal who Christ is, why Jesus is good news, to convict, to compel, and to move in our hearts to see Jesus and the good news. And yet, number three, we each have a part to play, however small it may seem. We're invited to be a part of that great story, of that great testimony. God invites us to play our part as his church. There's so much invitation in scripture. Jesus invites his disciples to come, follow me. The disciples then invite others to encounter Jesus too. Come and see. And an invitation is like a, a mini proposal that has power to transform destiny. I mean, most marriages started by way of invitation. They took one look at me and they thought, invitation. <laughs> of course they did. Just look at you. Most adventures started by way of invitation. And we're each invited to be a part of that invitation. We don't need to be a gifted speaker or teacher, but we each have a part to play. And throughout the Bible, if you only hear one thing today, it's this. God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with courage to share. Everyday people. Just put yourself in that moment of the first disciples where you are seeing incredible things that you have never seen before. This hasn't happened before. I mean, Jesus comes announcing the reign of his kingdom and he's giving people a foretaste of what's yet to head. And what does that look like? Well, the blind begin to see. That doesn't normally happen. Food is multiplied, the hungry are fed, the lame stand up and walk, mentally ill are made well. Communities are gathering together. There's hope, there's joy, there's peace. I mean, what would you do as a follower of Jesus? I know what I would do. I would say, okay, guys, let's get our heads together. We need the best and the brightest. We need the dream team. We gotta get on social media. We gotta get on the news. We gotta do, you know, plot some tours. We're gonna speak here, here, and here, and here. We need the best and the brightest. But just listen in on how Jesus makes his first round draft picks on who's gonna be on his team. Listen to this. Matthew 4, 18, says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Do you know how incredible this is? Jesus enters the poor backwater town of Galilee. And he picks not the best and the brightest. These are fishermen. And it's an area in that time that people would literally make fun of. They'd say things like, can anything good come from there? This is the wrong side of town to make a round of draft picks here. Anyone with any potential, not fishermen, not these day laborers, not, nothing like that. Anyone with any potential in that town, you know, they would send them off to Bible school. You know, go study the Torah. And then as a student, they would ask their rabbi, can I follow you? And Jesus makes a stunning reversal. He goes 
to the backwaters, the poor areas, and says, come and follow me. I'm going to teach you more than fish catching. Catch people with this wonderful good news I have to share. It's going to change people's lives. Be a part of that. It's the best thing you'll ever do. And it was these very same everyday people that would go on after the resurrection that we read about and heard about last week in Easter to transform the world with this good news. And it says, when Peter is hauled into court in Acts 4.13, when the audience is around, when there's a huge crowd around him and they're saying, make an account for all this disturbance, this change in our community. Account for yourself. And their life is on the line. It says this, when these authorities saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What qualifies us to share this message is that we're with Jesus. His presence abiding within us. God sends everyday people who've encountered Jesus with courage to share the invitation. You can't really encounter him though, encounter Jesus for who he really is without recognizing our own need of a savior. The gospel sounds like good news when we realize and come to an understanding in life that we've got problems in our world that we can't solve. The smartest minds can't solve. That we've got problems in our own lives that we can't figure out on our own. Jesus says in Matthew 21, 31, to this neat and tidy religious crowd, says, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom ahead of you. Now, Jesus isn't trying to say to these people that are working really hard, hey guys, you need to work a little harder. Pick up your game, try a bit harder, work on this, work on that, and we'll see how you go. He's saying the broken people of this world are quicker to realize our great need of a savior than those that think they've got it sorted on their own. Do you know who the greatest messenger of the gospel is recorded in the gospel. The greatest messenger of who Christ is is not someone with their life neatly put together. It's not someone who went to the right schools, drove the right car, did all the right things in life. Someone who knew that they needed God's help. The answer is the Samaritan woman at the well. She brings her whole town to Jesus with three words, come and see. Come and see how amazing it is that God chose her to be that messenger. She's a woman, first of all. And in that time and in that culture, women were not treated that well. In fact, their testimony in the courts of law were considered not valid. They were not treated well. And then she's a Samaritan woman at that. Samaritans were like the wrong people group. They were considered like half-breed dogs, as, as one person put it. They were not well-respected. It's the wrong people. 
And then if you read the story further in John 4, you discover that Jesus has encountered her at this well, collecting water on the sixth hour. The sixth hour is the middle of the day. This is a hot, arid desert area. And the norm of that culture of that time is women would go together and collect water for their daily needs in the early part of the morning when it's cool. And so I'd venture to say that maybe she's quite lonely. Maybe she's an outcast. And then you discover she's had five broken marriages. Five times rejected by a man. Five times she's been told, you're divorced, you're gone. I'm counting you out. And now she's living with a man probably just to survive because it was very difficult without a man in your life at that time to have a place to go home, to have shelter, to have food. Five times rejected, counted out, and Jesus says, I'm counting you in. I'm gonna quench those thirsts you have. Living water. And she's so excited, she runs back to the whole town. And she's announcing along the way in 429 of John, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. He knows all about my brokenness, my rejections, my failures, my messy life. And he loves me. He's counting me in. I'm invited. Could this be the Messiah? She hasn't got it figured out. She doesn't actually know yet. But she wants to explore further. And it says that the townspeople made their way towards Jesus. And they end up saying to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know this man really is the savior of the world. How incredible. The greatest messenger for Jesus recorded in the gospel, an unknown woman at the well. And she brings the whole town to Jesus. God is sending everyday people who have encountered Jesus with courage to share the invitation. Courage, not the absence of fear, but a willingness to keep going despite it. You know, after the crucifixion, the disciples were hiding behind locked doors. They were afraid that they were going to be next. They were hiding from the authorities. But something beyond their fears stepped through, passed through that wall, and it ignited their hopes, their greatest imaginations, a resurrected Savior. I wonder what locked doors we have to sharing that invitation. What would move our hearts to say, come and see? To have a vision beyond even the cross, beyond the sacrifice, to that space that even he went through 
when he said to the father, is there any other way? But he had a vision beyond the pain and the suffering and the cost to be united with us at his table where all things would finally be set right. And that's the invitation we get to share. Pray for those around us. Invite them. Bring them. The church is not a location. It's a movement of friends inviting friends. Friends inviting friends. Brothers inviting brothers. Sisters. You know, Andrew encounters Jesus. What's he do? He goes and gets his brother. He says, Peter, come along with me. Come and see. We need another story of friends inviting friends. You, you, you hear about you know, the paralyzed man. You read about him in Mark 2. He had four loyal friends. He's probably praying for him, but now they're ready to bring him. Did he even want to go meet Jesus? I don't know. But there he was on the mat, and they were taking him. Maybe he was protesting the whole way. He said, we're going to bring you, because great things are happening with Jesus. You've got to be a part of this. And think about the awkwardness. You know, there's a crowd around Jesus at that time and they're pushing their way through. They can't get through, you know, but they really love their friend. So they're gonna dig a hole in the roof and it's getting really awkward. The people are angry probably that own the house, who knows? He's getting lowered down. Did he even wanna go to be brought? I don't know. But I know that when he encountered Jesus and this paralyzed man stood up and walked out of there. I bet you he was glad that they took him. Come and see. See, I don't ever want to die wondering what would have happened if I just would have prayed for my friends. What would have happened when I reflect on my life? I don't ever want this to happen. Like, what if I just would have said, come and see? What if I would have invited them to hear more of the invitation? And my fear is that In sharing the gospel, for us, we just let it become like background noise to our lives. And we leave it for some to sing. When we need the whole body to sing. In our own voice, in our own ways, in the everyday places of life. Because God is sending everyday people who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share. Let me finish with the story. Albert McMakin was a 24-year-old farmer who had recently come to faith in Jesus. And he was so full of enthusiasm that he filled a truck full of people. And he took them to this tent meeting where they were going to hear more about Jesus. And Albert had this good-looking friend. He was a farmer's son. He was especially keen for this friend to come to the meeting. But this friend was so busy, you know, he was hard to persuade, and he was falling in and out of love with different girls, and he didn't seem to be interested in Jesus at all. Eventually, Albert managed to persuade his friend to come, asking him to drive the truck to the meeting. And when they arrived, Albert's guest decided he wasn't just going to sit in the truck. He would go into the meeting. 
It says that he began to be spellbound and have thoughts that he had never had before. And Albert's friend went back night after night again until one night he came forward and gave his life to Jesus. And that man, the driver of the truck, was Billy Graham. And the year was 1934. And we know since that time, Billy went on to minister and celebrate the good news and saw millions of people come to faith in his life. In fact, there isn't a church in Australia that I go to any Sunday where I say, has anyone's lives been touched by the work that, that, that God did through Billy's ministry? In and every Sunday, even this morning in the 8 a.m. service, I saw probably a dozen hands go up. And there's more. Yeah, more. It's so incredible. And we can't all be Billy Graham, but we can all be friends like his friend Albert and make that invitation to come and see. You never know what God wants to do. What if I said God was already prepared to move in somebody's life if we were prepared to move with him? Billy Graham said, I don't need a successor. I only need willing hands to accept the torch for a new generation. We are that new generation. Who will take up that torch to make that invite? Because it's our time. I just encourage you to think about who you might invite as you watch this video story ahead of someone who made the invitation. Because it's a story I know in Brisbane and I'd like it to inspire your thoughts of who you might invite. My name's Phil King. I live in Brisbane in Queensland. I'm married, I have two adult children. How did I come to Alpha? I've been riding or cycling for some 10 to 15 years. In 2013, my oldest lad asked me if I'd like to join a group called Altitude. He'd been riding with them um, for a few weeks and really liked the people. And uh, I didn't really want to go, to be quite honest, because um, I heard that the Altitude crew were mainly Christians. Um, so I kind of resisted for a few weeks and then um, one morning, uh, Matt got up and he said, come on, join me on a ride. And I thought, oh, why not? And so I kind of enjoyed the morning and then I started riding with him on a regular basis. I think back in, in 2015, uh, before coming to Christ, that I was probably close to being suicidal. Uh, I just didn't know how to do it. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it was one of those things. And, uh, but I also felt that, um, you know, with my family that I couldn't let them down or still, you know, that would have been a very difficult thing to do. But there was also the thing that I probably could have just abandoned everything and left home and lived on the streets. It was that close. I was able to share that with, with these guys, which I wouldn't share with lots of other groups, but because of the relationship that we built with these guys and their character, I felt quite comfortable in doing that. From that conversation that, that evening, um, Rod rang me up and um, asked me to come to Alpha. If you have the opportunity to invite somebody to Alpha, I would, I would recommend you grab it and, and do it. There's, there's no easier way that I know of to walk people through into, into finding Jesus Christ as their saviour. 
So the night that I rolled up at Alpha, it was um, it took me by surprise. I hadn't really been to church, and and that's the thing too. Uh, you know, I've not been to church for at that stage for some 40 years, and the first thing I noticed in there was that um, it was a very welcoming, very loving, and and they were engaged me and they asked me questions. We had the video, which I really enjoyed. And I went away and thought about that a lot um, the following week and actually looked forward to the second session. And again, the questions, the video was really good. I really liked the, the topics and uh, they really sort of started to open my mind up to, to thinking about that through the week. By the, the third week, I was pretty much all in. Uh, I remember driving home that night and thinking, wow, this is probably the best thing I've ever done. My world was just collapsing around me. I'd lived in internally relying on my own strength to live through the, the difficult times and I couldn't do that anymore. And now, now through Alpha, it's opened up that I can actually lean on, on Jesus and, and that now I go to church regularly, still mentored and, and through, through Rod um, and the other Christians I know. And yeah, it's been a great honour, a great privilege um, and an absolute joy to see his life changed um, so radically and so quickly because within a few weeks I could see his life changing. Um, not only was, was he being convicted, but he was enjoying um, the freedom that Christianity was offering him and that God was offering him. I encourage you to, if you have a phone, this is one of the few times in church I'll say, actually take it out. Maybe just hold it in your hand as I pray. Come Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see the harvest that is before us. I pray for the harvesters that are here today. Lord, would you fan into flame the embers and the fires and breathe new life. Refresh our vision. Inspire our hearts to move. May you be a love that shapes every other love in our life, every other priority, every other agenda as we go in our own voice, in our own ways that are unique and different than others because you have placed us in the positions we're in with a purpose, to be recipients of your love and to share that invitation. So we pray for all those contacts, connections, relationships. Father, I pray that we would catch the vision of the hundreds of people we are connected with what would happen if the church began to make the last command a first priority? If we had many Alberts, what could you do? What are you already doing? Father, move in our hearts that we would be a people that live the come and see. Come and see how good God is his grace, his freedom, his love that changes everything. And something I shared this morning, but I don't, this isn't normally me, what I would say in a church. 
but about a year ago, I text with your senior pastor, Michael Hans, which is unusual for me to do just out of the blue in this setting. But I had had a dream. And in that dream, I saw a picture of new life, a church community I've never even been to, really. I've just met a couple people. And in that dream, I saw the picture of your building. And I saw you gathering to worship. And the worship was swelling within the room like water. And as the worship rose, it began to pour through the windows and seep out into the streets and into the city, into the neighborhoods. And you were living the worship as you would go. And like a river, it was moving through the streets. And the city was changing, transforming and aligning and coming to live in agreement with the good news, coming to live and experience the reality of God's kingdom, a hope that's eternal that we can begin living today. And lives were changing. And so I woke from that dream and I texted, I said, I feel it'd be unfaithful and not right for me not to share this because it's, it's so powerfully been impressed upon me. And church, you are the body that moves into the streets. Would you move with what God wants to do in our city as you make the invitation ahead? Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.